this is Stacey Hillier and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, hey everyone, and I'm so glad that you're back and especially because I have been waiting all year to get to this subject because it is my favorite to talk about. And I just know it's going to help people. Our topic for the next few episodes, we'll just see how many we do, is Sabbath. Oh my goodness, I get excited just saying it because when I watch people discover the rich treasure of Sabbath and begin to practice it, I watch it change the life and it's done that for me. Now, as prophetic people, Sabbath is a treasure and I'm going to share in a moment about what that has looked like personally for me and you'll hear my passion when I speak on this subject and on this topic because Sabbath is a chance to refill and to refuel, to be before we do, to listen before we speak and to rest before we run. And today we're going to lay some foundations for our understanding of the Sabbath before in the next couple of episodes, again, we'll just see how many it takes. I'm not going to rush this. It would be so weird if I rushed talking about Sabbath. And we're going to break down the quadrants of a biblical Sabbath, as well as some practical tips for what I do. I'm also going to address some questions at the end of each episode, things that people normally ask me when I speak or teach on Sabbath, but I'm also going to invite you to send me a message on social media and ask me your questions about Sabbath, and I'll include them in these episodes. I'll also put a little bit of a question tab up on my social media, inviting questions about Sabbath, and then I'll use them here on the podcast. But Sabbath, as prophetic people, is where we hear from God for ourselves before we seek to speak for God to others. And I would say that apart from knowing how to hear God's voice, Sabbath has been the most life-changing, life-giving, and even the greatest contributor to my prophetic growth. And I believe it will be the same for you. Sabbath is my favorite day of the week. I mean, if you're just a Christian let alone a creative, and I'm a creative, this day is a game changer. If you're in ministry, game changer. I could not overstate how important and how epic Sabbath is. Listen to this quote from Henry Ward Beecher. A world without Sabbath would be like a man without a smile, like a summer without flowers, and like a homestead without a garden. Oh, love. I want to start by sharing with you a bit of a testimony of the power of Sabbath in my own personal life and actually how true this quote has proven to be for me because Sabbath has brought me such joy. I would not be overstating it to say that this practice has changed the whole of my life, how I do everything. And Sabbath is a practice I started to integrate into my life Actually, when I was on the brink of complete physical, spiritual, and emotional exhaustion, I'd come through, was experiencing a season of really bad panic attacks and anxiety. I was absolutely exhausted and I was actually praying and asking God to give me more capacity. And he said, well, I could, Stacey, but it wouldn't be healthy for you. 
And I went on this whole journey of going, why do I feel tired all the time? Why don't I have any joy? Why do I feel like I'm observing my own life and I should feel happy, but I just feel nothing? I was numb. And then having these anxiety attacks, I was having an elevated heart rate, heart palpitations, just my body was really strongly communicating with me, something's off. My emotions were frazzled. I mean, I was I was pretty feral, right? And my family was getting the worst of me. And so they love the Sabbath too because it changed their mum. <laughs> and as I saw answers from the Holy Spirit, no leaders were teaching me this. I had to find this for myself and I'm determined that will not be the case in my leadership. But as I sought answers and wisdom from the Holy Spirit on what I needed to do to find a better rhythm of life, he led me to the scriptures and he simply said this, study Sabbath. And I was like, Sabbath? That's so Old Testament. Well, good news. Not just Old Testament, totally for today. I actually lacked an understanding of the truth in Wayne Muller's words. He said this, rest is an essential enzyme of life as necessary as air. Without rest, we cannot sustain the energy needed to have life. We refuse to rest at our peril. And yet in a world where overwork is seen as a professional virtue, many of us feel we can legitimately be stopped only by physical illness or collapse. And you've just heard my story. It took physical illness and collapse for me to discover Sabbath. And I don't want that to be the case for you. What had happened was I had begun to wrap my identity not around God's word and my identity in Christ, but around the fact that I was the can-do woman. If you want something done, give it to Stacey. She'll get it done. My whole identity was wrapped around what I did for God and for others, not who I was. And I had to rewire this. And Sabbath is one of the ways that I've done that. And as I've tried to grow in this area of my personal life and my spirituality, I actually haven't always found it easy because my natural preference is I'm up and about. I like to be moving and shaking and doing. So if that is you and you're freaking out right now, hang in there because there is good news ahead and the treasure you will find, let me tell you, is so worth it. If you had told me that by being still and resting, contemplating and delighting that I would find what I have found, I would have tried this a long time ago. Now, especially if you are apostolic prophetic, trust me, there are things about God you cannot discover on the run. This is life-changing. And also, just a little aside, it's actually also obedience. The Bible is clear in its commandment to observe Sabbath. And it's right there tucked away in the Ten Commandments. None of us would murder, none of us would steal, and yet we desecrate Sabbath regularly. Why? You see, I'm learning that the most rewarding and valuable treasures in God, they're actually usually the hardest to discover because we have an enemy that doesn't want us to grow in spiritual stature and weight. His whole MO is to steal, kill and destroy from us. And stillness and silence are integral to a deep and rich relationship with God. And Satan doesn't want you to have a deep and rich relationship with Jesus because then you become an even more formidable weapon in warfare. And Sabbath 
is an invitation to slowing down to these practices, to growing in intimacy with Jesus and so much more, including play. Yes, you heard that right. Sabbath is a time to play and enjoy life. You, We should not stop playing when we're in adulthood. So we're going to discover all of that and more. Did you know there are facets to the diamond-like nature of our God, particularly in the realm of the supernatural and the prophetic, that cannot be discovered any other way than by stopping to know that he is God and we are not. And this is what Sabbath offers us. You've heard some of these quotes on the podcast before, but I'm going to give them to you again. Mark Buchanan in The Rest of God. Some knowing is never pursued, only received. And for that, you need to be still. Oh, that's good. James W. Goal in The Lost Art of Practicing His Presence. We cannot fully realize true intimacy with God until we learn how to come before him in quietness of spirit, mind, and body. An atmosphere of stillness is absolutely essential for us if we wish to experience deep, loving communion with our Lord. So right at the outset, it's very important, very important. Like, I mean, listen up, my people. It's important to note biblical Sabbath is not a day off. Oh, ruffled some feathers. Biblical Sabbath is not the same thing as taking a day off. And I hear people all the time, yeah, I had a day off. I'm like, dude, not Sabbath. Where you can fall into a day off, just sleep in, you don't have to do any planning. You have to plan and have intention when it comes to observing the Sabbath so that we can truly enter what's called this sacred sanctuary. And we'll talk about this further in the other episodes. But a foundational element of our understanding is this. Like imagine this in caps lock, bright letters. Imagine I'm yelling at you. Sabbath is very different than a day off. All right, you've got that locked and loaded, right? Sabbath's different than a day off. So why don't we look at what the Bible has to say about Sabbath? Because I live from a core conviction that the Bible, God's word, is our foundation. So the word Sabbath is used in the Old Testament about 100 times, but it also appears in the New Testament about 60 times. And the root word for Sabbath literally means cease, desist, stop, pause, or rest. Sabbath means cease, desist, stop, hit pause, take rest. And the biblical precedent for Sabbath, the law of first mention, is modeled for us by God himself in Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 2 to 3. We read that on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, clearly, God did not rest because he was just so tired from all his creation. Instead, he stopped to enjoy what he had created. And he actually called this process holy. You know, God says it's holy when we rest. The world will tell you, even the church sometimes, it is slothful 
to rest. But God says when we rest on the Sabbath, it is holy. It's part of what it means to be set apart. Prophets are all about pointing people back to holiness. And yet how many prophets do I know who don't observe the one day that God says is set apart and holy? Hear me. God says it is holy when you rest. And then he invites us to imitate him in this holy resting. I love what Jeremiah Johnson says. He says, where God enters and rests, there is holiness. Boom, shakalaka. Where God enters and rests, there is holiness. When God is in you through his Holy Spirit and you rest, there is holiness. Praise the Lord. And this is true of Sabbath. And it's true of what happens in us as we enter God's rest. He comes and he rests on us in a special way as we set this day and ourselves apart and we simply rest. In Exodus 31, 17, God was speaking with Moses and he says that on the seventh day he rested and he was refreshed. Sabbath is a space for us to be refreshed. Oh, yes, Lord, we need a bit of refreshing. And he reinforces this idea of the seventh day being for rest and holiness in Exodus 20, verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the seas and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in both those scriptures we have just read, we can see that Sabbath is embedded in the creation story. Now, when God delivered the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, Sabbath now becomes a commandment to rest on this holy day. And you can check that out in Deuteronomy 5 verses 12 to 15. Now, important is that this commandment was now made post-slavery. So whilst our Genesis and Exodus passages ground Sabbath in the creation story, our Deuteronomy passage grounds Sabbath in remembrance of God delivering us from slavery. Let's read it together. I'm just going to pick up verse 15 where it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So whilst, again, our Genesis and Exodus passages ground Sabbath in the creation story, what Deuteronomy does is it grounds Sabbath in remembrance of God delivering us from slavery. So Sabbath becomes for us twofold in that we were created to Sabbath and that Sabbath was created for us to remember our salvation and our redemption. So think about that verse we just read, you shall remember that you were a slave, and then they're told, they're commanded to keep the Sabbath day. What a radical thought that would have been for the Israelites. Here they are straight out of Egypt. 
being commanded to stop and rest for a 24-hour time period. Why was this so radical? Come with me. They had just endured 400 years, multiple generations of being defined by what they could produce. In fact, their lives depended on their ability of one thing, to produce bricks, how many bricks you could produce. And if they didn't produce bricks, they faced death for their wives and their children. So they come out of slavery and God is reminding them in his commandment for them to Sabbath that their worth was not in what they could produce, but in the fact that they were his, that they were his chosen people. And this is the weekly revelation and reminder that you and I have available to us when we observe Sabbath. My value is not in what I produce. My value is determined by the fact that I was created in God's image and I've been redeemed by him from my slavery. Now, given the testimony I shared with you and my whole identity became about what I could do, you can see how like for the Israelites, it was radical. This was radical new thinking for me as well. Hey listeners, did you know that Stacy also has a guided prayers podcast? Contemplative prayer is a biblical and rich practice that helps us to step out of the hustle and to silence the noise to hear God's voice and to let his word dwell richly in us, transforming us from the inside out. With a new guided prayer released monthly, you too can discover the rich treasures of contemplative Christian practices. Find it wherever you listen to your podcasts by searching for Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier. Now, back to Stace. Let's stay on this fact that our value is determined by the fact we're created in God's image. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And this word image here is the word salem. And it means to be an exact replica. In the New Testament, this Hebrew word finds its Greek equivalent in the word ekon. So in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we read, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, one degree of glory to another. Now, this word image is the word econ, and it was used to describe the image of Caesar on the Roman coins that were used in New Testament Greco-Roman culture. So when a coin, stay with me, when a coin was stamped with the image of Caesar, it was made legitimate, valuable, and given its authority. So Paul's telling us in Corinthians that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are being returned to this Eden-like image. We've been stamped with the very identity of God himself. We're chips off the old block. We've been made legitimate value and have authority because we're stamped in God's image. And so Sabbath is a time for us to remember whose we are and who we are called to reflect to the world around us. I've discovered Sabbath strips us of all the other things that we attempt to stick over our original stampings and markings that should form our identity. And it provides us with an opportunity to remember who we really are and whose we really are and who knows we need it. So Sabbath is holy. Sabbath is for rest and refreshment. 
And it's designed to remind us that we are created in the creator's image and that our worth is not defined by what we produce, but whose we are. And in the fact, we've been set free, delivered from slavery. Now, if we track the journey of the Israelites, this is so cool, who were delivered from slavery and into the promised land after their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, we see the commandment given to Moses on Mount Sinai to even Sabbath or rest the soil, to observe a Sabbath year where they would rest the land for maximum health and production. Leviticus 25, 1 to 7, the Lord spoke to Moses on Sinai saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you, the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord for six years, sow your field. And for six years, prune your vineyard and gather in its fruits. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You shall not reap what grows of itself in your harvest or gather the grapes of your undressed vine. It shall be a year of solemn rest for the land. The Sabbath of the land shall provide food for you, for yourself for your male and female slaves, for your hide worker and the sojourner who lives with you, for your cattle, for the wild animals that are in your land, all its yield shall be for fruit and for food. Think about it. This was a step of faith and obedience for the Israelites because it defies logic. And we read through the Old Testament accounts that they did not obey this commandment. For 490 years... They did not rest their land on the seventh year, despite constant and frequent reminders from all of the Old Testament prophets. And the Lord warned them in Leviticus of what he, what he would do if they failed to rest the land. I'm picking up from Leviticus 21, 31 to 35. I know there's a lot of Bible here, but this is important. Just stick with me. I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate. And I will not smell your pleasing aromas. And I myself will devastate the land so that your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. I will scatter you among the nations. I will unsheath the sword after you and your land shall be a desolation and your cities shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbaths as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and re enjoy its Sabbaths, plural. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest, the rest that it did not have on your Sabbaths when you were dwelling in it. <gasps> this is about to get so good. So the Lord exiles them to Babylon, get this, for the exact number of Sabbaths or Sabbath years that they violated. 70 years as prophesied by Jeremiah, Jeremiah 25, 8 to 14, 2 Chronicles 36, 17 to 21. In other words, the Lord enforced on the land a 70-year Sabbath. Let's pause here for a moment and think about the New Testament because it teaches us that our hearts are soil. Now, an Old Testament metaphor first, Jeremiah 31, 12 says about the Israelites or God's chosen people, their life shall be like a watered garden. So here's this concept of a heart garden. Go with me to the New Testament, Matthew 13, 18 to 23. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, 
The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on a rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, remembering in a previous verse, he's talking about being sown in the heart, good soil. This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Now let me remind you of Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. In other words, the spring of your life flows from the soil of your heart. Sabbath is one of the ways we guard and keep the condition of the soil of our hearts healthy and able to produce fruit. Now I have a theory on this. If we tracked ministry burnout, could it be that the number of days, weeks, months, or years in burnout directly correlate to the number of days, weeks, months, and years that the soil of the person's heart was not rested? (laughs) Just like when God had to exile the people out of the land for the Sabbaths they violated and desecrated to rest the land. Perhaps he forces us to rest through burnout while he rests the soil of our hearts so they're able to produce again for the exact number of Sabbaths that we have desecrated. Boom. So there's our biblical foundation. I've covered that Sabbath is not a day off. What makes it different than a day off? Well, firstly, Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time. I start mine at sunset on Sunday and finish it at sunset Monday. I start my Sabbath by lighting a candle, saying a slow prayer of gratitude, partaking in communion, seeing myself, visualizing myself, drawing back close to God, submitting my rhythm to be his rhythm for the next 24 hours. I turn off social media, I turn off my phone, and I enter into God's rhythm of grace for 24 hours and endeavor to live in response to what he is saying. Now, author Pete Scazzaro, I've quoted him before because he is a legend, divides Sabbath into four biblical quadrants or pillars, and we're going to explore these in our remaining episodes in detail But just to lay the foundation, I'm going to introduce the four pillars today. We stop, we rest, we delight, and we contemplate. We stop, then we rest, then we delight, then we contemplate. On Sabbath, we stop, we rest, we delight, we contemplate. And this is a very useful framework as we begin the process of Sabbath. Let me quote Rabbi Abraham Joshua Herschel on Sabbath. His book on Sabbath is very famous and very epic. Unless one learns how to relish the taste of Sabbath while still in this world, unless one is intimated in the appreciation of eternal life 
one will be unable to enjoy the taste of eternity in the world to come. The essence of the world to come is Sabbath eternal, and the seventh day in time is an example of eternity. Flip. So one way we prepare for eternity, which is like Sabbath, full time, is by observing Sabbath here. In Mark 2.27, Jesus said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so as we embark on this journey and as I wrap up these foundations, I want to remind you that Sabbath is not about rules and regulations. In fact, Jesus spent much of his earthly ministry discussing Sabbath in a new way with the Pharisees because they'd loaded rules upon rules upon rules upon rules for all areas of life, including Sabbath living. John Mark Comer says in his book, Garden City, the Sabbath predates the law by thousands of years. It's more of a rhythm in creation than a rule in a book. The Sabbath is more of an art form than a list of do's and don'ts. So I don't want you to hear do's and don'ts or religious regulations here. I want you to hear an invitation to intimacy. Let's not forget Sabbath is a verb. It's something we do. It's something we enter into. Something we learn, something we practice. We get it right, we get it wrong. But not because we're adhering to rules and regulations, because we want to live in intimate relationship with Jesus. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann, what a name, said this, people who keep the Sabbath live all seven days differently. Oh, amen, I testify. Sabbath for you can be what it has been for me, a lifeline, a total system restart. So let me finish this introductory foundational episode by presenting you with a quote from Mark Buchanan, and then I'm going to read over you the words of the prophet Isaiah. Mark Buchanan, Sabbath is an invitation at one and the same time to empty yourself and fill yourself. Prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 58, 13 to 14. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and don't use my holy day for personal advantage, If you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day is a celebration. If you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. So there's our foundations. As I mentioned, In each of these episodes, I'm going to tackle a couple of common questions. So let's do two today. I hear this a lot. How do I do Sabbath if I have young kids? Great question. My simple answer is involve them. Teach them about the Sabbath from the youngest of ages. So they just grow up thinking it's normal. Get them to help you prepare for it. Go slower for the day. Ask them what they want to do to delight. And we'll unpack that a bit more when we do the quadrants. Delight in them. They're a good gift from God. Contemplate them. Stare at their faces. Rest longer in bed together. Don't make the beds that day and go, hey, even when my bed's messy and my life's messy, God still loves me. Leave the dishes in the sink for the day. Involve them in why the meal is different. Like I don't cook, I do platters. Teach them a Sabbath prayer. Pray a prayer of blessing over them every Sabbath. When the baby sleeps, rest. Don't run around doing chores like you normally would. Why don't you bath with the baby that day? Why don't you play games instead of doing homework? There's so many ways you can involve your children in Sabbath. 
but it will take careful planning. Like my kids have to get their homework done so that they can have Sabbath off. Same way as I have to get housework done so I can have Sabbath off. Another question, how do I Sabbath if I work full-time and serve in my church? Great question. Well, sometimes Sabbath can actually be about how you approach your serving. Are you serving from rest or from striving? Like if serving in your church is a delight for you, then you can do it on Sabbath. If you can serve from rest, if you can contemplate God while you serve, serve on Sabbath. Are you preparing yourself to treat the day as rest? So that means getting all your clothes ready, doing all the cooking. Like we do soup Sunday and it's all cooked on Saturday so that we can rest from Sunday night. Could you Sabbath on Saturday instead? It doesn't really matter what day it is. Just choose a Sabbath. Could you read the Bible differently on that day? Read it slowly. Use Ignatian meditation on Sabbath instead of reading your three chapters. Or you know what? If you can't do a full 24 hours, just start somewhere. Do an hour. Do a morning. Do an afternoon. Just do something. The Israelites took years and years to figure this out. I'm still figuring it out. You're going to take time to figure it out. Just start. Just start somewhere. Now, in our next episode, we will explore pillar one of biblical Sabbath. Stop right now. Thank you very much. Haha, <laughs> there was a Spice Girls reference. You're so welcome. We're going to talk about stopping or stop. Can't wait to be with you then. Talk soon. Bye.